Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hour number three of the world-famous Cheeky Cheguar radio program. Coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and Stitcher, and of course, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. In this hour, we will talk to Donald Mazzella, Dan Perkins, about all sorts of different topics. And uh, it is it is going to be fun, fun, fun today. And uh, among the topics in our first segment here, Black Republican Caucus in the House supporting Trump, and uh, there's a... There's a strange, strange thing going on here, gentlemen. Before, uh, before us, the, uh, the 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 Democrats are revolting. They want Bernie. The Republicans are are revolting, and they want Trump. And uh, the corporate folks want Michael Bloomberg to run and screw it all up. Uh, first of all, Dan Perkins, best-selling author, Hill.com, also ReaganBaby.com. We've also got Donald Mazzella, his tag team partner from SB Digest. And um, Dan, let's kick it off. The Black Republican Caucus in the House is supporting Trump. Launch into it, my friend. Okay, i i thought about I thought about this subject matter uh, a lot, and i I want to give you. <laughs> Uh, a heads-up warning here. Um, I was listening over the weekend to the various speeches from the Democrats. Now, Jim, I know I'm a hell of a lot older than you are. I'm not as old as Don, but... but You had to say that, huh? You had to say that. But go ahead. Of course I did. Of course I did. Um, It wouldn't be a show if I didn't get a little dig in but Jim, Jim, I, I've been around 70 years. I think the first president I voted for was John F. Kennedy. And what, re- what really, really tries me is I listened to Hillary again talking about the war on women and the, 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 the blacks being uh, uh, disadvantaged. You know, and I, I think I've heard that for 30 years, and I'm amazed that the black people of this country, and I'm not trying to be prejudicial, you'd think at some point in time they'd have figured out the damn Republicans are not damn Republicans, but the Democrats are damn Democrats, because what have they given them? You know, I, I, I look at what's going on in this country, and I look at the black youth unemployment rate. If if a kid graduates from high school, which is a rarity, but if a black kid graduates from high school, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there's a 55% unemployment rate from high school graduated black youth. 55%. Now, in addition, this great unwashed middle class that's being taken advantage of under up by the Republicans. The Democrats have had control of the White House for seven years. They've had control of the Congress 
on a detailed basis for the first two years. And what in the hell have they done for black people? Except keep them, as Uncle Joe would say, in chains of poverty. The idea that we that we continue to hear this crap about, I'm sorry, Jim, this crap about um, uh, the war on women and, and the black people are disadvantaged and the Hispanics are disadvantaged, you know, it's really getting old to me, and I think that part of the problem is that when the black caucus in the House of Representatives of the United States government voted on who they were going to support for the Republican nomination, they didn't choose the, the, the Democratic constituent or the Republican leadership. They chose Donald Trump because I think they finally come to the conclusion that we've got to do something about this god-awful mess that our country is in. And if we're going to succeed as a nation, we have to provide opportunity. The only way to provide opportunity is to provide jobs. Not welfare, not more people on welfare, not more people being taken care of by the government, but more people trying to find a job and getting a job and taking care of themselves and their families. The, the pride of being able to, to work and support your family, in my opinion, is, is better than letting the federal government take care of your family. Because typically what happens in the black community, if the government's taking care of your children, uh, there's more than one father in the household, and they're probably not in the household. So the whole family unit has been under attack for decades under the leadership of the Democratic Party, saying, we're going to take care of you. You know what? And I think that the idea that I saw an article today, there are groups of black pastors in the South, hundreds of them, who have voted to support Trump. I think that the revolution that Trump started the very first day he ran and said he was running for president has screwed up the brains of all the constituency in the traditional Democratic and Republican leadership. And they don't know what to do about it. They've tried everything they possibly can. And I thought the, 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 the height of arrogance, if you would, for Mr. Trump was over the weekend when he said he could probably stand in the middle of, of New York City and shoot somebody and he, and he wouldn't go down on this. <laughs> yes, I, I, I thought that was fantastic because he's yeah, right. <laughs> You know, and it, 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 I mean, is, is it just me, Jim, that, that, or Don, that, that you see this, that this old saw keeps coming out every time, the war on women, and the, and the, how do you, how do you say that we have a war on women with a Democratic president who sat there for seven years? How do we say that, 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 that we're not providing enough opportunity for the middle class? The president and the Democratic Party have been in control. I don't understand how they get away with it. And I'm guessing that they, they, they've run out of gas. They're not going to get away with it anymore. We've, that, that, okay, Don, jump in there. Now that, now that Dan has uh, given his two cents, give us your two cents, sir. You know, it's a story about, um, you say something enough times and people will begin to believe it. <laughs> I agree with Dan that finally, finally, I think the nation is waking up. Uh, don't forget the Republican Party after the Civil War 
uh, waved a bloody red, red coat for almost 50 years. And now we've had the Democrats uh, waving this, this uh, uh, bloody red coat for, for 50 years as well. And I think it's about time that some people are beginning to wake up, both black, blacks and white. Uh, Dan is absolutely right in everything he says. As he said earlier, it woke, uh, I tell you, it woke me up when he said uh, how all of the Democrat, these major uh, cities have been uh, democratic for so long, yet they still have the same uh, basic uh, poverty problems they had 50 years ago. The Democrats have well, had the, the time. Well, yeah, the Democrats. The Democrat, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. No, uh, I was just going to say the Democrats have had their day. They, their way of doing it uh, hasn't seemed to work, so maybe it's time we tried something new. And uh, there's much to be recommended in what uh, Donald Trump's saying. I just uh, say that I think it's going to take one more election cycle before uh, this really sinks in. That's why I'm worried whether he can be the Republican nominee, particularly if uh, Michael uh, uh, Rosen... <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm gaggy on his name. Uh, the former mayor of Bloomberg. New York jumped the Bloomberg. Right. Bloomberg, if Michael Bloomberg uh, jumps into the race, because if he jumps in, he will jump in as, as a uh, Democrat and possibly take, um, uh, take the, uh, the nomination away. Because clearly I think uh, Hillary is on the ropes when she... She has to say, I'm still here, and people are starting not to believe that she will be there. Then, then I think we're really in the Democrats are really in trouble. Like I say, yeah. a credible candidate, and, well, uh, I, and I still think that the Governor Kissage of Ohio has a very good chance to come out of all of this uh, with the, uh, the nomination. And I still think we're going to have a brokered convention. I'll well, you, I, yeah, I don't know that I, ooh, Casey, can I grew up in Ohio. I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, he's told that his father was a mailman stories about his time in gang. I don't want to hear it anymore. Um, I don't want to hear about the past. I want to hear about the future. And, you know, and, and, and I, I, I just listen to these people and I listen to, um, I, I listen to the, the, the media and, um, uh, the, the mainstream media, uh, you know, it they're 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 going to be in a uh, in between in between a rock and a hard place because let me create a quick scenario for you. the The head of the FBI, which Tom Delay said today, it, based on his conversations with people at at the FBI, are ready to indict Hillary. Um, that that if uh, if they indict her, um, as we've talked about many times on this show, who's the bench? You got Bernie, and 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 maybe Uncle Joe comes back uh, with a second look. But and and uh, Don is uh, continuing to espouse his Elizabeth Warren. I really think he's got something for Elizabeth Warren, but that's that's another story. Um, <laughs> Believe me, she's not my cup of tea. Okay, well maybe she's a, maybe she's a diet coke. I don't know, but anyway, um, I just, I just don't think that there's 
there's enough time. So so the extra election cycle, Jim, that he's talking about, we might need Donna saying, if Hillary's not the candidate and we're dealing with the, the dregs of the Democratic Party, it could very well be the end of this era. Um, and, and what I'm hearing in the, from the black people and the Hispanic people, uh, at least as it's being reported in the media, the, they're supporting Trump because they want somebody who can stand up and fight for them as opposed to fight for themselves. Okay. And, uh, I, I love think, that. I think he'll, I, I think he'll do that. Um, and and there's a, I, can I have just one more minute or two? Yeah, go ahead. One, one, go ahead. One of the things that, one of the things that, that tied into this story um, and I'm, I'm, I'm basically doing a setup for, for Don, and he doesn't even know it yet. Um, <laughs> one of the things that bothers me, one of the things that bothers me is that there are people in this country who don't like Mr. Trump because, one, he speaks from the hip, and sometimes he uses un, uh, unusual language. And I think to criticize Donald Trump that he can't be president of the United States because he he speaks from his heart and he speaks from the hip without a teleprompter. I look at the language that's being used in television and movies today, and I'm saying to myself, we're looking at a destruction of the American language and culture, and we're concerned about whether or not um, Donald Trump is using a profanity when he's running for president. I think that what's happening is that a lot of people are really upset that this whole political correctness and language correctness has gone too far and it inhibited the ability of people to speak their mind. They're afraid to speak their mind. And as we've talked before on the show, Jim, this is a, this is a problem that Trump is addressing, and that's the ability of true freedom of speech, not guarded speech because of political correctness but true freedom of speech. And I think there's an awful lot of people out there, Jim, who are finding themselves, whatever expletive you want to delete, are, are expressing their anger, and in both in the black community and in the Hispanic community and the white community, the rank and file. And I, and I think it's a big problem, and I don't see anybody on the Democratic side who is willing to address the issues that are important and at the same time do it in such a way. I mean, I think part of his Trump's appeal is his language skill. This man can talk for 45 minutes to an outer without a teleprompter and without a script. And I think that the American people are gravitating because when you don't have a teleprompter and you don't have a script, you're speaking for your, if you're speaking that long, you're speaking from your soul. And that's how he's connecting with people. Well, you know, um, yes, go, go ahead, right Don. And we know, and we know, Dan, Dan, Dan that, that you have a kind of a soft spot in your heart for uh, Mr. Trump. Um, but, but you are right about one thing. Um, I think the American people are uh, talking, and, and they're doing it in a lot of different ways, which enables me, I think, to bring, bring in the stupidity that's uh, uh, at the heart of the the center of the uh, uh, liberal heartland out in L.A., where everybody's complaining about the fact that uh, uh, no blacks were nominated in the Academy Awards. And now they're demanding quotas. 
Uh, you know, what's interesting about it is that the voters of the Academy, and I was looking at this over the last two days and talking to somebody who's a member of the Academy, the membership of the Academy has actually grown five years younger overall than uh, over the last five years. Um, uh, when, when they, A, they opened up some of the uh, uh, categories, and B, um, uh, 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 B, some of the older people uh, died. Just saw in the paper today that A, A Vigoda died. Yeah. Uh, uh, the gangster from the, uh, uh, the Godfather series. The only reason I bring that up uh, is that uh, the, the voters at the Academy, I think, finally got tired of being forced to make uh, choices based on political correctness. And, and for a change, when actually went out there and voted for uh, people they thought des deserved to be nominated. And I, th I think you're, n you're not wrong about what is the appeal of uh, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, I didn't put the two together until I listened to you just now, uh, Dan. I think perhaps uh, we are turning a little bit more conservative and getting tired. 50 years for the bloody shirt of the Republican Party and 50 years of the Democratic Party talking about the, the, the people of the South uh, and the people of, the, of color and everything that should be done for them. And by God, most things have been done for them. They even have a president elected, and still they're not satisfied. I'd like to stop right. there and give Dan a chance. Yeah, we do need to take a, a 60 second break. When we come back, we're going to okay. keep chatting with uh, Dan Perkins, Donald Mazzella here on our broadcast. We're going to take a, a quick timeout and uh, 60 seconds. It is your risk takers moment of the day. When we come back, we're going to keep chatting with the boys here on the big program. Jaguar. Neil Bortz with us today. He's if they put Fox News on, liberals will complain. Uh -huh. If they put CNN on, conservatives are going to complain. Jiggy Jaguar. We've got Tom Donahue with us today. I started to organize. Uh, no, not like Obama. Jiggy Jaguar. Publisher of Talkers Magazine, Michael Harrison. And uh, it's a lot of fun, and, and it's very informative, and uh, it, it does a lot of things. One, it, it's www.jiggyjaguar.com. This is the Risk Takers from Entrepreneurs Club Radio. Good enough never is. That's the mantra of this famous lady who has a passion for cookies. Debbie Fields was always a hard worker. In 1969, she was hired by Charlie Findlay of the Oakland Athletics to be one of the team's first ball girls and was paid a whopping $5 per hour. Debbie didn't use this money frivolously. She used it to buy ingredients for what would become Mrs. Fields' cookies. That was her dream and her passion. Needless to say, it worked out well. Mrs. Fields Cookies now have over 650 retail outlets in the U.S. and more than 80 stores in 11 countries. Not too bad for starting out at $5 an hour working for a baseball team. Her secret to success? She had a dream and a passion for her cookies. 
but quality was the key. We should all believe that good enough never is. It made Debbie a fortune. The Jiggy Jaguar radio program every afternoon on the network, coast to coast and border to border. Keep up with Jiggy online at JiggyJaguar.com. Back here on our big broadcast, 28 minutes after the hour, Donald Mazzella, Dan Perkins with us today. We're going to shift now to uh, Don's topic here. Uh, before we do that, Don, do you want to do you want to finish up there uh, on what Dan was talking about before we move on to the next topic? Well, Dan wants to Dan wants to say something. Yes, jump in there. Of course I do. <laughs> um, of course I do. Well, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> nobody was nobody was surprised at that. Um, I, w- I was thinking about the subject of this, uh, what's going on in Hollywood, and coupling that, Jim, to what's going on in the college campuses. And, you know, for the longest time, the longest time, Hollywood has been, has been perceived to be the, the liberal bastion of the country. The, 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 the free thinkers, the intellectuals, all this were considered to be primarily in, in California, in, in Hollywood. And they, you know, they used to say that trends move from the west to the east. They come out of California. So for the longest time, uh, Hollywood was considered to be the, the liberal bastion, the keeper of the torch of liberal thought in the United States. And here we have Hollywood being attacked by black people because they're not rewarding enough black people with Oscar nominations and Oscars. Isn't it ironic that one of the liberal bastions of democratic policy in the country, Hollywood, California, is now under attack by the, the liberals, other the, the constituency, if you would, of the long-standing liberal philosophy, the black people, and the Mexican-American people. I find it amazing that we can have people saying that I need to get an award because I'm black. I also find it fascinating that the pushback from not so much the non-star voters, but from the stars themselves, Michael King said over the weekend, I'm not going to vote for somebody because they're black. I'm going to vote for somebody because they gave a great performance. The other thing is, most people don't understand, with the exception of the best picture, only the people who work in a particular classification. In other words, a person nominated for best actor can only be voted on by actors. And the best actress is by actress. And director is director and so this the only difference is that everybody can vote on the best picture but i find it amazing that in addition to that and 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 don mentioned it last week or two weeks ago that the supreme court is talking about looking at uh union dues being used as political contributions to win favor with political parties um that the, the whole concept of what was liberalism when we grew up as kids and we became young adults is, is no longer there. 
I, I've said to John on many occasions, the party, the Democratic Party, is no longer a liberal party. The Democratic Party is a socialist party. And, I communist. And Bernie, oh, well, okay. Yes. It's a communist party. And, and, and the problem is, here's the problem with you, you two guys using that. Guess what? The millennials have no idea what you just said. They know what communists are. I'm not even sure they know what socialists are. But the point is, is that what we thought was, or what we regrew up as what the liberal democratic party was, it no longer exists. And I believe that, it, depending upon how things go with this presidential election, the, I asked I asked Don earlier in the day whether he thought that Hillary was moving to the left of Bernie. And he thought she was. I don't know whether you, you agree with him or not, Jim, but we're, the, 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 differential, the, the differentiation between the Republican, what, what used to be the Republican Party, and what used to be the Democratic Party is getting wider and wider. I think many Republicans, conservative Republicans, are moving further right, and many of the Democrats, liberal Democrats, are moving further to the left. So that the divide between the two parties is very significant, and it's creating a clash. And I don't think both can win. One's going to disappear, or, or so marginally reduced. And I think I, I want to hope it's the Democrats, not the Republicans. But here we we're attacking, we're attacking the things that liberal politicians and liberals themselves in Hollywood are now under attack for what they believe because it isn't radical enough. And that's what's going on in the country. There's a, a, a widening divide between conservative and liberals, and it's really radical conservative to radical liberal. And whether you call them communists or socialists, whatever. But I think it's there, and I've never seen it in my lifetime, this huge gulf between the two. I'm not talking about the politicians in Washington. I'm talking about the people. Radical left, radical right. And I think we're at a very significant turning point in the history of our country in this election. I don't agree with Don that it's going to take another election cycle to change. I think, I'm well, not sure we could survive another election cycle for the way well, to change. The, the Republican will always survive. I'm convinced of that. I, I've been, Dan. I've been pointing out for a long time that it looked as if this this election is going to be a very important, probably one of the most decisive of the of American history. But I've also said that the that the parties are moving far to the left and far to the right, and that hopefully the middle ground, the people in the middle ground, will move to the right in this election period, because clearly they're ups upset. Well, uh, there's a piece coming out, um, I forget which, that indicated that um, um, uh, the, the election, uh, uh, the Academy Awards, the only reason I, was because uh, the Academy Awards have, have shocked a lot of people, because here's an institution in which people cannot uh, act uh, in groups with any any sense of unity without being such a gossip-ridden uh, 
industry, yet here they are voted, voting in a way that, that is surprised and for some of them disheartened uh, some blacks. But the, but the point is, why? If they're simply now just a, another part of the American mosaic. Yet they don't want that because they're afraid of lo losing some of their special privileges. And I'm told that inside uh, the academy, when it said it started thinking about quotas or something like that, for instance, uh, the NFL has a rule that uh, if a, a head coaching job or if a general manager job is open, you must interview a black at least one black, and it, it's the farce of that is uh, reading. Well, so and so went in, and he satisfied the, what's called the Rooney rule, and now the, the, we'll go on and get the real uh, hiring done. I mean, that's that's the shame of all of this, and uh, blacks should be adhoring it as much as uh, whites are. Uh, I, but I, but uh, Dan's put it right. We're facing a major major uh, election with major, major changes. Regardless of what happens, the world has changed, and we're never going to put it back together like it used to be. I, I'll turn it over to Dan now. Yeah. Jim, do we need to take one more break? Yes, we do need to take one more break. We're going to play our 60-second risk-takers, and when we come back, we are going to uh, chat here with uh, Dan and Dawn. Coming up, we've got a, uh, a good couple topics for you. We're going to be talking about... Uh, the possible bankruptcy of OPEC, and uh, moving forward with that. Coming up, 38 minutes after the hour, we've got more coming up. This is The Risk Takers from Entrepreneurs Club Radio. We've all heard about today's younger generation. Conventional wisdom says they're spoiled, materialistic, and have no work ethic. All of this may be true, but here, conventional wisdom is wrong. Enter Chris Clark, 26 years of age and already an entrepreneur. While in college, he was fascinated with technology and started a water pump business, but it didn't work out. Being a true entrepreneur, he didn't give up. He knew that solar power could be a very good alternative energy product and also knew that third-world countries desperately needed a way to send power to their communities. So Chris did two things. He started his company as nonprofit and built solar panels that could be moved by hand. Sunflower Solutions now gets grants to place these movable solar panels all over the third world. Materialistic? Spoiled? Not a chance. Put your sunglasses on. Our future is bright. <laughs> live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-Jiggy. He's realizing Jiggy Jaguar is better than me. So, I'm totally serious about that, too. Presenting Jiggy Jaguar. 39 minutes after the hour. Thanks for joining us today. Back as live as live can get. And, uh, We've got Don Mazzella from SB Digest and Perkins from TheHill.com, both best-selling authors. Both join us for our Tuesday conversation here. And uh, in this segment, we're going to be talking about uh, the possible bankruptcy of OPEC. And uh, before we do that, uh, gentlemen, it, it one of the things that I notice uh, just 
reading on the internet on the way out to the uh, to the Adult Video News Awards last week in Las Vegas, and also passing through uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and of course Nevada. I seen a lot of solar panels. I seen a lot of wind turbines. I seen a lot of um, cheap, cheap oil, cheap gas. Um, with all that in mind, is that basically creating the perfect storm here to uh, get rid of these thugs and these near dwells over there in Saudi Arabia with OPEC? I, I think, Jim, uh, I think it's, it's very possible. Um, a couple of things are going on that broke today. Um, I've been saying all along that Saudi Arabia started this mess a year ago at Thanksgiving when they convinced OPEC not to cut production. And as a result, on Thanksgiving Day a year ago, crude oil prices dropped $5 a barrel and precipitately declined to down to a recent low of around 27 It closed a little over 30 today. They didn't, I don't think that they were, uh, they spent enough time thinking about what it was they were doing. For example, uh, I think that they, they told the world the weekend after Thanksgiving that the reason they were doing this was to try and destroy the American oil exploration business uh, so that they would keep their market share in America. And what happened was they didn't think that the prices would go as low as they went, nor did they think that, um, that America would not capitulate. I believe because they've had control of the Western economy by regulating oil prices for 40 years, uh, they could do it again. Well, what happened was that we had, we had a lot of oil rigs that were shut down, and we have about 800 rigs versus 2,400 that were a year ago, and there are probably more that are going to close. What happened was the Congress, in the, in the most recent tax bill in December, lifted the, the, the embargo of shipment of crude oil outside the United States. So now the American oil industry can go anywhere in the world that they want to go, and they can compete directly. On top of that, as a result of the, of the uh, Iran settlement talks, Iran got $150 billion in cash. Now, the richest OPEC nation in the world last year, because of a significant decline in revenues, lost $150 billion in revenue in the oil business. And they begin to cut back on services provided to their, their natives in Saudi Arabia. Venezuela is now an importing nation, no longer an exporting nation, because they don't have the resources to attract anybody there. Inflation rate is over 50%. So what's happening is Iran is coming into the market right now with 500,000 barrels of crude oil a day with a target to be at 2 million by the end of 2017. Now, right now, the consumption on a daily basis is about 96 million barrels of oil and declining. Production is now close to 98 million barrels a day. 
So we're generating, before Iran came in, we're generating close to 2 million barrels surplus. So we are awash with oil. Every storage tank, everything is full. Iran comes into the marketplace with 500,000 barrels a day of new production. And now everybody's concerned about what's going to happen to the prices. And so today, today, and I said on your show, Jim, some time ago, that I believe that sometime in the first quarter there would be an emergency meeting by OPEC to discuss the possibility of production cuts. Today, Kuwait announced that they were trying to broker a deal between Russia and Saudi Arabia and the rest of OPEC to cut production. We had crude oil up today. We had the markets up today. And so what's happening here is that they're trying to get OPEC and Russia to cut back on their production. However, Jim, we have the ability now because we've lifted the embargo to go into the world markets and compete on a direct basis. Now, in my book, in my third book, America Responds, I talk about America becoming energy independent, getting rid of, getting rid of the restrictions on the imports. And if so, the first place the American oil companies should go is to Western Europe because Western Europe gets 40-plus percent of their crude oil and their natural gas from Russia. The Russian economy, 58%, 68% of the revenue to Russia is from energy sales. If we lift the embargo, we can then let the American oil companies loose. We lifted the embargo in, de in December, just last month. Yesterday it was announced that deals were struck for American oil companies to provide liquefied natural gas to Western Europe, therefore taking natural gas away from Russia. What happened? The Russian ruble collapsed. It's the lowest level it's been in seven years. So what's happening, Jim, is that we're talking about a reordering of the world around oil. Oil has now become the weapon of choice. And the, the weapon of mass destruction in the world today is the U.S. dollar. I watched, as I was getting ready to go to Germany, I watched the euro drop from 117 to 106. I watched the British pound in the last two weeks go from 151 to 140. They're now talking about Japan is going to have to do more quantitative easing, and the, the ratio of the dollar to the yen could be for going from today at about 118 to 136. Every major currency in the world is under attack by the U.S. dollar because everybody's concerned that the rest of the world is going to have significant problems economically, including China. And we, as a country, are going to have perhaps some of the lowest cost of energy because our currency is the strongest currency in the world. What that's going to mean is that companies will relocate back to the United States because of the work environment and because of the low cost of energy. And if we get a Republican president who lowers the corporate tax rate, we could see ourselves in a boom that we haven't seen in 40 years. 
Except, Dan, you're absolutely right. Except this present administration has done everything it could to cripple our uh, our energy infrastructure, particularly with coal uh, coal facilities the, uh, and trying to force uh, some of our larger uh, utilities to shut down coal-burning plants. And the Supreme Court, if you noticed, yesterday uh, said that uh, uh, the utilities had to uh, provide uh, uh, rebates to, to uh, large energy users who cut back at high energy times. I don't know. I, it's gonna, that's going to affect it. But you are right. There's a lot of, to be optimistic about. But, uh, Jim, uh, Dan, I ask you one question. Where did the $180 billion that Americans saved uh, as the, the price of oil retreated, it didn't go into new consumer spending. It didn't go into new um, uh, homes. It didn't go into uh, reducing uh, overall debt rate. Where did it go? Everybody's asking so, that question. Uh, so, so, Jim... If I told you he just threw me the biggest softball in the world, would you laugh? <laughs> no, no. What, 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 what? He gave me the, gave me the biggest softball in the, in the world. <laughs> okay. okay. I've been in this, hit, Don, hit it out of the Don, park. I'm going to. Don, I have been in this business for 42 years. For, 40, for the most of the, that 42 years, the consumer savings rate was either, was less than 1%. Right now, the consumer savings rate is 5.5%. That says that consumers, regardless of what the rate of interest they're getting at the bank, are putting 5.5% of their pay in the bank. They're not spending it. They're not buying houses, per se, big ones. They're not going to the stores and shopping. We have huge savings rates that approaching that of Japan. Now, let me tell you, as the savings rate in America grows, it creates a pool of capital in the banking sector that with the right president and the right economic policy can, fan, can fund the expansion, expansion of the United States economy without ever having to issue a government bond. It is amazing to have watched it go in the last three to four years to now we're five and a half percent. So that's where it went, John. Uh, Don, it wasn't spent. They didn't buy bigger cars. They didn't buy a new house. They didn't buy a bunch of clothes. They didn't do shopping in the Christmas season because the Christmas sales were down over the previous year. They put the money in the bank, and that's where it is. That's where it went. Doesn't that frighten you, though? Shows you that Americans are, by and large, uh, not sanguine about the future. That somehow or other they're building up a nest egg against the coming storm. Well, I think it. I think it's. A, I would. I would say to you, from a from an investment standpoint, from an advisor standpoint, I would much rather have customers and clients who were saving money than clients who were leveraging themselves deeper and deeper in debt and had no ability to pay their bills. I think that the savings rate is the untold story about what's happening. I mean, you know that I've said this before on your show, Jim. For every, just a quick question. Did you drive on your trip to Las Vegas, Jim? Yes. Yes, we did. 
Give, give me a sense of what you saw in gasoline prices as you went across America. Well, we're talking... Actually, hold on just a second. Let, 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 let me do this. I'm going to take, I'm gonna take a, 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 th- a probably 30-second break, and I'm going to get an okay. authority on here about these gas prices. Hold on just a second. Okay. Log on right now to the Jiggy Jaguar website. We have all the updates and all the bits online at www.jiggyjaguar.com. We're back here on the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar radio program. It's funny that we talk about gas prices, and we talk about our trip, and we talk about all the different things. 53 minutes after the hour, we actually have my girlfriend, Brittany, in studio. And uh, I am going to... Let's see here. Let's turn your mic on. Say something. Hi. Okay, there <laughs> we go. Um, you with, with herself? Now, Dan Perkins from the Hill.com, Donald Mazzella um, from SB Digest, um, they were asking about gas prices. What the hell is this? (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) I'm not giving you a mic. Uh, Dan, ask Brittany your question about gas prices. Okay. Yes. Yes. Did you have a good time in Vegas? Yes, I did. (laughs) Good. good. But remember, what What? happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. (laughs) Not, not with James. (laughs) He he won't leave it there. What what were you paying for gas prices as you were going back and forth across the country? Some of them here, here in Hutch, it was like a dollar fifty-eight. Some of them were like a dollar sixty. Some were a dollar seventy. Some were a dollar eighty. Dollar ninety. I think the highest we paid was in Vegas, and that was two twenty nine. Okay, we have not done. We are uh, Jim. We have not seen the low yet because there's a lag time of about sixty to ninety days. Let me tell you, and then Don's got something he wants to finish the program with. Okay, go. While you were in Las Vegas, do you know that in the state of Michigan, you could buy regular gasoline between forty-seven and ninety-two cents a gallon? I did not know that. Forty-two and ninety-seven cents a gallon. When we when we got to Sanibel on the third of January, it was two ten. Yesterday, one sixty-eight. Oh dear! In three weeks. Well, and it's going to get it's going to get uh, even lower. Uh, we're going to approach on a national average. Uh, what are you paying in, in Hutchinson, Kansas? Do you know, Brittany? Um, on average, it's been between one one forty and one seventy lately. One forty and what? One seventy. Uh, you're you're going to see probably one twenty five to one fifty within the next yes. thirty days. Okay. Don's got something he wants to add as a finish to the end of the program. So go ahead, Don. <laughs> okay, Don, go. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, uh, we were talking. Uh, I was talking to a very savvy political expert uh, today. And he, for one thing, he was very discouraged. Uh, he felt that the, the, this election, while important, 
has really started to degenerate. Um, and uh, he, he, along with me, does not think uh, Hillary Clinton will be the nominee. But more importantly, he said what, what is happening is that a lot of Democrats at the lower level, senators, representatives, and more importantly, state and local, are starting to get a little worried that whoever they have at the top of the ticket will not have the uh, uh, ability to draw out the natural basis of the Democratic Party and uh, leading to further erosion at the state and local level which has plagued the Democratic Party for the last six years. And it's really starting to uh, uh, cause concern. Uh, Trump cannot well, think about New it, Jim, Jersey. The, uh, he, he I believe, I think at the end, in the 2014 election, and Don can probably correct me on this, if you look at the state, local, and federal offices, the Democrats lost over 1,000 seats. Seats. Yes. A thousand seats in 2014. And what Don is saying, I think, is that they're concerned that, that and, and it's like 30 state houses are now Democrat or Republican, that, the, that what could happen, what they're concerned about, Jim, I think, is that we could wind up having the Democratic Party. Are you ready for this one? The minority party. I don't have there the now. Well, yeah. They don't have the Go ahead, Jim. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but but you're you're completely correct on that. It it very well could get to that point. Yeah, and uh, my my friend Don still thinks that Pocahontas is going to be the nominee, or maybe vice presidential nominee under under uh, Al Gore, but or under uh, no, Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. But, you think, see, you guys still think that worst to first is going to end up getting the nomination. I, I, I hope, I hope that it doesn't come down to Hillary. I don't like that idiot. I don't know what version of Hillary this is. It's kind of like when Romney was running the last time. He was this weird version of Mitt Romney. And, and it's like, you know, um, I don't know if you guys watch, watch the show Family Guy at all on, on Fox. Occasionally, occasionally. Well, there's, a, there's an episode where Lois, uh, Peter Griffin's wife, uh, runs for, like, city council or something. And she gets up there, and she's not getting a lot of support. And so she starts saying 9-11. And every time she says that, she gets all these cheers. It's the exact same thing that Hillary does whenever she gets into trouble. She's like, 9-11, and everybody cheers her. And then she goes out there and she says something about, well, I was down there helping the bankers out when 9-11 happened. And it's like, oh, that's good. The very same bankers who, who kind of helped ruin the uh, economy. You're going to say that, uh, that, that you are you know, a big fan of Hillary. And it's like, people don't want to hear that. That's why I like it when Trump goes out there and you have all these other guys, you know, Rubio and all these guys who make all these comments about, uh, well, we're going to do this and help all these refugees. We're going to do all this crap. We're going to help, help, help. And Trump's like, I got news for you. If Saudi Arabia is not going to pay us for our military, we're bringing all of our guys home. And it's like, that's why these guys are getting over. So I find it hard to think 
that worst to first, Joe Biden, <laughs> would be getting into this whole thing. They don't have anybody else. Well, that too. They can't, they, they can't run Pocahontas on the top of the ticket because she has no exposure on the, on a national basis. So the only, the only choice they have is Kerry. He resides in Secretary of State, um, and, and that would probably be a good thing. Um, and then you've got uh, Al Gore, who probably is not a good thing. Or you got Uncle Gentle. There is nobody else unless it's Bloomberg. Oh, but if Hillary's not there, I don't think Bloomberg's going to run. I don't think he's, he'll feel connected enough room for him to, to, to take over. So I see the Democratic Party in great chaos. And, um, uh, you know, it's just like yeah, we were the, talking about earlier. If we talked earlier. The interesting thing uh, is the, na- the, the national media is not talking Right. They're not talking so, about the Democratic Party. The, uh, the right. New York Times today is talking about the, how the Republican Party is in disarray. Yet the Republican Party is in better shape than the Democratic Party because they have a whole b- bunch of people running, whereas the Democrats don't. If the Democrats thought they could win, there'd be more people in the field. And uh, But I could right. add one more point. Yes. Um, if I may, uh, Hillary today picked up the endorsements of 50 state legis- uh, uh, congressmen, uh, state legislatures, etc., that I want to point that out because uh, it, se- it still seems as if she is, does have support within the party, within the party regulars who really control the levers of power. But I believe if, if as Dan and I both uh, surmise, there is a negative report on the uh, uh, emails. I think that support will uh, erode away. Well, you know, you know something, and I'm going to try to find this link and post this on Facebook or put this on Twitter. But I seen a deal the other day that there was a uh, uh, some sort of con- he wasn't a congressman; he was some sort of assemblyman, and he had been indicted and he was in prison and he was taking the oath. He was being sworn in from his prison cell because he had won right. his office. And I'm like, right. if this guy can get sworn in from his prison cell, why can't Hillary run the country from her cell? <laughs> it's like, it's the ultimate thing for corporate America. We've got to, because it's like, the, the, and, and whether, whether you guys, you know, whether it's, whether it's the conspiracy guys or the NWO or whatever the hell you want to call it, they have chosen Hillary and Jeb. Now on the, on the, on the Republican side, Jeb can't get the meter to move. He's done. No. He's done. The lights are out. The party's over. No one's tapped him on the shoulders and said, "Hey, bud, it's time to get the hell out." It, you, but, you, but you, have, you, 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 you can't. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. Type thing. But I gotta, I gotta jump in and say one thing. <laughs> for you, bring you back to reality here. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what did Jeb Bush say when he got into the race? He believed he could get the nomination without going to the primary process. See? There it is. That's what he, yeah, he, he thinks he can get the nomination. He thinks he can get the nomination through just hanging around. Hanging around and that the, that the party leadership will come to him. And God, I hope not. God, I hope not. Anyway. <laughs> well, all I, gotta, all I have to say is. Yes, one more thing, Don. Governor Kissage. Has an op- a chance. 
<laughs> I love yeah, he this. Has, he has he has two chances, uh, Don. Slim and none. I knew that was yeah. coming. Slim and well, none. I, I don't know about that. We'll, we'll see because the, the okay. paper seems to indicate that New Hampshire, which is next week, um, is going to tell the tale. And that's going to be an interesting uh, uh, race there. So I think Bernie is going to okay. uh, beat, beat Hillary, and I think he's going to come close, if not actually beat her in Iowa. I don't know how okay. you feel, Dan. Um, I, I would like to hear Lou's vote. Uh, but <laughs> Bernie can't, can't make it past Carolina. I mean, it's not going to happen. You may win the Las Vegas caucus or the Arizona, uh, Nevada caucus before... Uh, Carolina, but he's not gonna. He's not gonna do well, Carolina. Don't forget, he doesn't have anyway. to win it. He doesn't have to win it. All he has to do is sh- a good showing. Just has to place. That's it. Well, let's let let's wrap up here. I want to thank Donald Mazzella from SB Digest. Uh, also, Dan Perkins from TheHill.com and ReaganBaby.com. And, of course, uh, I want to thank here towards the end uh, my lovely girlfriend, Brittany, for coming on and talking to us yeah. uh, about we gas prices. We need to sometime have Brittany join us and talk about her love for Bernie Sanders. Uh, <laughs> She she believes okay. she believes what is it about Hillary? What were you saying? You were passing notes to me like a high school. <laughs> Hillary is a hooker for corporate America. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dan, wow. we got to use that someplace. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought prostitution was illegal everywhere but Nevada. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> See, there you go. Well, well, gentlemen, I appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. And uh, have have yourself a wonderful Tuesday. And I I will talk to you uh, off the air tomorrow, Dan. G- give me a call when you can, my yes, friend. Sir. I will take care. Definitely. Take care. We are going to wrap it up here. That is that. And uh, if you want to get a hold of us on the Facebook, you can do so. Facebook.com slash. The Jiggy Jaguar. What is going on with all of this shenanigans? I have to click this. I have to click this stuff. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.